Uh, good morning, guys. In case you don't know, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church. And uh, I am really glad uh, to be here with you guys as we conclude um, our family summit uh, this morning. Uh, Friday night we were together. We had digital talks um, all day yesterday as, as you watched those. And my heart was encouraged and uh, blessed by all those. And so I hope it's been an encouragement for you guys as well. Um, one quick just kind of housekeeping item before I jump into the text this morning. Um, last summer, we did this last summer, but uh, we're doing it again this summer. We're taking study breaks, and uh, Luke just went on his this week. So for the next three weeks or so, Luke might be here, but he's not really here. And so uh, pat him on the back, give him a hug, uh, pray for him. But he is just taking a few weeks to just uh, be with God and his family and be recharged and prepared for the next season ministry here at Covenant Church. So if you see Luke, he's here. Or if he's not here, he's not here. Uh, he is not missing. We know where he is. And so um, I just want you guys to know about that. So we're going to be in Psalm 127 today if you want to turn there. And I'm going to jump right into a phrase from this text that is just, uh, as I kind of been preparing this week, and has just stayed with me. It's this phrase right here. The psalmist says this, that we eat the bread of anxious toil. Is that not the most American life, American parenting phrase you've ever heard in your entire life? That I feel like we just live in anxious toil. Like we just live in this like spin style of anxiety and toil. We work and we work and we work, but then we worry, we worry, we worry, and we worry. And we're doing all this stuff. We're working with our kids, taking them here, taking them there. We're doing all this stuff and we're kind of just hoping that it all turns out okay, right? That's kind of what we're hoping for many times. And it seems like, you know, <laughs> I'm an 80s kid, right? And so it seems like we do a lot more for our kids today than my parents ever did for me. Is that fair? Like that was not my life growing up. And we expect less of our kids, right? I'll give you an example. So um, my wife, um, how do I say this? Is just much nicer than I am. That's how I'll say it. And much more helpful than I am. And so she takes care of our kids and makes sure really that they are bathed, dressed, and, and fed. And so I'm kind of there to encourage and preach. And so it's a great partnership at our household. Um, and she was somewhere a few weeks ago, and it's dinner time. I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. All right, Connor, what do you want for dinner? He said, I want some buttered toast. I'm like, well, I can do that. And I go to get the bread, and Connor says, wait. I'm like, whoa, what's going on right now? And Connor says, okay, what you need to do, I'm like, what is going on right now? He says, get the butter out, put the butter on first, then put it in the toaster. I'm like, okay. So I put it in the toaster and I give it to him. Wait, 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 wait. There's still crust on there. And I'm like, oh my goodness. My kids um, expect a lot, right? But not from them, just from me. And we live in this world, right? Where we are just living in this anxious toil to work and work and work and then worry, worry, worry. And honestly, we feel like if we took a poll in this room, don't raise your hand, as parents, listen, as people, we feel like we're just not doing enough, don't we? And then I look at the world that like my kids are growing up into, and um, it feels dark. And, and sometimes it feels almost like not hopeless, but just like really, like how are we going to get there? Like what is the world that we're going to send our kids into? And you kind of walk in some fear, don't you? And I ask this question, should it really be like this? 
like, should we really feel this way as Christian parents? I understand as parents in the world, but it's, if you're a follower of Jesus, as Christian parents, is this how we should expect of our kids and how we should feel about our kids? Let's go to Psalm 127, because I think it answers a few of these questions for us today. I want to give us some quick context here. This is a, a, what's called a wisdom psalm, which is almost like a, something you see in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. It's written even by Solomon himself. And it's this psalm to give us wisdom on how to see and live life. Verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is, vain, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Written by Solomon. But think, here's the context here. It's this picture of a king writing this psalm. It's about his household, about his city, and about his family. That is his aim here. He's going, you see it right here. You see he builds the house, the household, watches over the city, and the children are a gift from God. And this context unlocks so much for us as parents. Because in this text, in this picture of wisdom and, and building a household and, and raising kids, we get this picture of how to do this in the way of the Lord, in the way of wisdom. See, the king here, he gives us two questions to ask and two principles to learn. Here's the first question. As a parent, as a Christian today, where is your focus? Like, where are your eyes? You're talking to your kids and you're trying to get there and they like, Doing this right here, like grab their face, look me in the eye. There is this sense in the Christian walk, in the Christian life, in day to day. Where is our focus? You see here, it says here in verse one, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise early and you go late to rest. He eats the bread of anxious toil. It's the picture of this king, of a leader of a household, of, of a parent who was living almost in anguish at the potential pitfalls in the world. This, this watchman looking out so focused on what could happen around them. He's talking about the king's focus, the watchman's focus, the father's focus. Where is the focus? And the same thing applies to us today. Now, the king was worried about like literal attacks and death. Ours aren't quite as dramatic today. Many times our worries are paying bills or good grades for our kids or whether they go to college. It's, it's those kinds of worries. But hear this, those worries, they take our attention, they take our focus away. Here's the thing about this focus and this worry. The king wasn't wrong to see the potential of death around him. That's the thing about worry and our focus. The things you're focused and worried about, I'm going to tell you this today in love, it could happen. 
Listen, your, could, your kid could fail that class. You might not pay that bill. Your child at some point will get made fun of. All these things that we focus on, they're not necessarily bad things, but listen, awareness and focus are two different things. Because here's what happens. As Christians, I think we have really good intentions. And, and when you have kids, when you, when you start something, we have these really good intentions that we want our kids to be raised unto the Lord. But then the things of this world take our focus away. And, and here's what I mean. We, we focus on our kids' education. That's a good and a right thing. Don't raise dumb kids. That's not a good thing. Raise smart kids. But hear this. That cannot be our focus as parents. That cannot be our primary focus. Here's why. Because at that point, if our kids' education is all that we worry about, we're going to lean our life. We're going to lean our attention. We're going to lead the direction of our household towards making sure the end-all, be-all of our kids' lives is to get a good scholarship one day. And when that happens, that consumes your household. That consumes your life. And you live in this constant state of anxiety and worry, correct? So we have to watch our focus. We focus on our kids' social lives. We want to make sure that our kids have friends, right? We want to make sure that they are not the weird kid in class, right? Here's a newsflash. All of our kids are the weird kid in class because you're the weird kid in class. We're all a little weird, right? That can't be our focus, though. Be aware of those things. Teach your kid how to be a decent citizen, a good human being, but it cannot be your focus. We focus on our kids' physical, emotional health. Gosh, and if you've had kids that are sick, like really sick, not, not like, you know, a cough, but like really sick, that's really, really hard. I, I literally, I cannot imagine what that must be like for a parent to have a, a really sick kid or even a really emotionally troubled kid. You, you know, being in the adoption world, you see all kind of kids who have walked through all kind of trauma. And it's, it's really, really hard. But if we put our, our focus because here's the truth. Many times our focus is our functional worship. We're called to set our mind on things above. And if we're constantly setting our mind on things down here, even right things, things you care about that are good things, like your kid's health, if that is your focus, that'll be the mission of your family. And what happens in those situations is with that focus, we become almost you know, these helicopter parents, right? Where our kids can't get hurt, their feelings hurt, their knee hurt. That can't happen. They can't go anywhere because we're so, our focus is on their physical and emotional health. And here's the truth. When we focus on any of these things, hear this, fear is coming behind. When we focus on any of these things, fear is lurking behind. It's in this focus, in this fear, that our direction for our kids change. We set out wanting our kids to love Christ more than everything. But in our focus, our obsession over worldly things, we teach our kids that functionally God is not supreme. What's supreme is your education. What's supreme is your health. And hear this, church, those things are not supreme. They're not bad things, but they're not the God thing. So we have, as parents, as Christians, we have to monitor what we are focusing on. What are you setting your mind, your heart, your attention to every single day? And here's the tale. When you wake up in the morning, what do you think about? When you go to bed at night, what are you thinking about? It's what you're focused on most, most times. We have to fight for this focus. 
This is like one of the first steps for you as a parent, for you as a Christian, is to fight for this focus. But, but why? Why do we focus on the Lord? The psalm here answers that question very clearly for us. Look at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house. Our, our second question today. Where is your hope? Church, this is the big question today. You want to, how do we parent? How do we do this? That's great. Answer those. It's been a great weekend for those. But if you don't answer this question of where is your hope, all the lesser things will be in vain. So church, where is your hope? Because here's the truth. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's what? It is in vain. Look at it again. He is the builder of his household. He's the builder of the household. He's the protector. He's the watchman of the city. Hear this, church. Hear this. Hear this. Hear this. I'm in a good mood today. You are not the builder. You are not the protector. You do build. You do protect. But you are not the builder or the protector. There's only one who does that, and that is God, not you. Just breathe this morning. Just breathe. There's so much pressure on us. We are not the builder. I got so excited this week. I was like, oh, Hayes, God's got that right there. I'm not, I don't have to build Hayes' life. Thank goodness. He's crazy. And here's the really good news. Our builder, he is perfectly good. Our builder is perfectly in control. Our builder knows everything. Our builder is a healer. Our builder is a reconciler. Our builder is the Lord. And so we have nothing to fear. If he's on our side, whom shall we fear? This is good news for us today. This is why our first two questions of where is your focus and where is your hope are so important. It's like, it's like going to work without like your shoes and your pants. You just can't do it. You got to know your focus and you got to know your hope before you try, start, you try to start parenting in a, at least a Christian way. So listen, we, we look at this world. So we we're in the Q&A earlier and, and Ross said this terrible stat. Um, I love you, Ross, but it was terrible. Of 85% of eight-year-olds have looked at pornography on some level. So I, I hear those kinds of stats. And then I look at this world of like Snapchat, which I do not understand, or, or even these other, I'm not saying, I'm just saying I don't understand them. That's all I'm saying. And I look at this world that I don't fully understand. And what do we do? We fear, don't we? You turn on the news for like two minutes. And like, oh gosh, turn that off right now. Like it's just, it's literally all around us. But hear this, our focus cannot be on this world. And second, our hope cannot be on our strength. Our hope cannot be on our strength because we're not the builder. That's not our role. That's not our place. You're overstepping your bounds past God and he's laughing at us. That's the height of foolishness. He created everything. What did he tell Job? Where were you? <laughs> Where were you? And we try to say, oh, well, I've got a great job with a 401k. And so God laughs at that, guys. We're not the builder. We're not the protector. The sovereign Lord is the ultimate protector. Do we build? Do we protect? Yes and amen. But we're not the ultimate builder or the ultimate protector. This reminds me of uh, the story of Caleb. 
You know the story in Numbers where they're sent out to spy. Twelve spies are sent out to spy on the promised land. And they go out and they go to the promised land that God has promised for his people. And they search and they investigate and they see all these big, scary, lots of people. And the 12 come back and there's 11 spies that said, nope, we can't do it. I see what's going on. My focus is on this right here. I see this. And listen, guys, we cannot do this. And Caleb says this. He says, he quieted the people and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. See, Caleb, his focus wasn't on the things around him. His focus was on the builder, the protector, the one who said, yes, this is your land. Hear this. The world is dangerous. The world is dangerous. But hear this. So is our God. The world is scary. The world is. Bad things can happen. But listen, our Lord is bigger, mightier, and scarier than anything this world has to offer. We are insufficient, but he is sufficient. That's good news for us this morning. And here's, here's what gets really good. As our focus shifts, as we put our focus on the sovereign, on the Lord, on the builder, and we set our hope to him, we just say yes to him, that we know you've got this and we're going to follow and trust you. Our focus and our hope are secure. Look at verse 2, what he promises. Eating the bread of anxious toil. No, not anymore. For he gives to his beloved sleep. If you have young, parent, young kids, just say amen to that right there. He gives you sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. A few things there first. You're his beloved how much do you love your kids? How much do you love your spouse? How much do you love your parents? It is, it is nothing compared to the infinity amount that God loves you. You are his beloved. Well, you might say, well, Jason, I've done this. I have done bad things. I've said terrible things to my kids. My kids are 19. I've blown it. It's too late. No, 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 no. If you have surrendered, confessed, and repented, and, 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 and being humble, then you are his beloved. You are clothed with this beautiful robe of righteousness. As Jamie said, do not let condemnation weigh down on you. You are his beloved. Parents, hear that this morning. We are his beloved, and he desires to give us rest. The reason that we don't rest is because we're looking to lesser things to bring us rest. They're never going to bring you rest. It's like me eating Reese's, wanting to get skinnier. It's just not going to happen. Got to go no carbs for that. It's not going to happen, guys. Um, listen, on the other side of quiet faithfulness, because what, really what focus and hope are all about is quiet, day-to-day, unseen faithfulness. That's what it's about. On the other side of that, the builder gives us rest. And it's from this rest, church, it's from this rest, parents, it's from this rest, Christians, that we then go and work. What we tend to do is work, 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 worry, 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 and then we crash, right? We go, we go on sabbatical, like forced sabbatical for a while, right? And we're just shut down. That is not the way of God. The way of God is for us to lean into where our focus is, where our hope is, and he just gives us rest. And it's from this rest, it's from this identity as a son or daughter of the builder 
that we rest. And it's from that rest that we go and we parent. Many times we do all the lesser things and we're tired and we're worrying and we're not rested and we try and go and parent and we project all this sin, anger, and worry onto our kids and we wonder, why is my kid hitting the dog? Why is my kid yelling back at me? Because we are transferring our lack of focus and our lack of hope to our kids. So we shift our focus, resolve our hope, so now what? There's two promises for us as parents, two principles for us as parents. First, we enjoy our kids. Look at verse three. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. A reward. Listen, it's not an accident this passage we go from the Lord is the builder to children are a reward. Hear this. Your children are a reward from the builder. They're a reward. They are a gift from a loving father to you. Hear this. They are one of, if not the greatest gift in this world that the builder gives to us, his children. More than your job, more than your money, your house, your stuff, your retirement, all those things. Hear this. Please hear this. In your rest from God, he gives us the reward of children to be loved and celebrated. They are a blessing. Now, I'm going to just say all this. We might, and even myself, might push back on that and say, well, you have no idea how hard my kids are. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Uh, Even this morning, uh, Hayes is uh, throwing up in the middle of the night. So Tracy can't be here. That's frustrating. That's hard. And if you have little kids or teenagers or basically any kids, zero to 18, it's hard. <laughs> There's no like stage where it gets easy, I feel like. Um, we adopted our daughter, Hattie Jane, a few years ago, and I have learned a lot from her. A lot from her. She's a special needs uh, girl. She has Down syndrome. We have learned so much from her. One of the first things I learned was this. We were getting ready to go get her. And there was this family that uh, Tracy followed, and she showed me their video, their story of them going to adopt a little boy with Down syndrome. They already had one child with Down syndrome and going to get another one. And the mom said this one phrase that is just stay with me. It's been like a theme in our family. And she said this, we have a child with Down syndrome. We got another one now. She said, listen, hard is hard. Like hard is hard. But hear this, hard is not always bad. When I tell my kids all the time, hard things can be good things. For some reason, with our kids, they are hard. We equate hard with bad, don't we? Like we've been told by every commercial in the world that hard things are bad things. Almost anything in my life that's worth doing has been hard, right? And our kids, they might be hard, but gosh, they are good. And here's why. Because when my daughter will not stop crying and fussing and all these things, I learn in a small way about the infinite patience of God. Through my kids being hard, I get this gift of Christ-likeness. But the truth is, many times we want comfort or we equate comfort with good and Christ-likeness with hard. But the ultimate gift of our kids is, yes, we enjoy them, but also your children 
may more than anything in the world, will produce some kind of Christ-likeness in you if you let God do the work. And hear this, that is a reward for us today, to become more like Christ through raising our kids. Guys, we should enjoy our kids. Let me say this too. This is also why community is so important. We live in this world where, like, our kids are only our problem. There's this idea, like, listen, children, they are a gift to enjoy, but they're also a burden to share. Like, part of the reason that we're so burned out with our kids because it's just us with our kids. There's not like the neighbor or the cousin or the friend that there's a shared community of resource and help. If you're doing this alone and you're tired, you're going against the design of God where others should be alongside you and your family to speak life into your kids, to watch your kids, amen, right? To help us raise these kids unto the Lord. Solo parenting does not work. You need other brothers and sisters in Christ to become aunts and uncles in Christ to your kids. And without that, we're going to stay exhausted. If you're exhausted, raise your hand and tell somebody. Write on your card. Say, help, help, help. And we'll do our best to kind of connect you to a family of God. We need this like spiritual extended family, right? Especially if like you're from out of town or your parents aren't here. Like you need the support of the body of Christ to come alongside you so that your kids aren't simply a burden. Because our kids, listen, they are a reward from our Lord to enjoy them. I was talking with Ty Case a few weeks ago, and he really made me mad because he made me feel bad as a parent. <laughs> he, was, he has two teenage boys, and he was sharing the story. About it. It's been a hard week, and he got home on like a Sunday night or something, and I like, they had like a game night and ate brownies together for like hours. And, te- you know, a boy going, he's going to be a senior coming up. And it just brought Ty so much joy. And he said this phrase to me. He said, we just, we've done our best over our entire parenting to like, when our kids are awake, they're in the room with us. Like, we're not watching the show they can't watch. We're not doing, like, if they're awake, we want them to be with us. We have 18 years to enjoy them. And he said, I'm seeing some of the fruits of that now. They still like us, even at 16 years old. And I was like, oh my goodness, because I am am the parent. Kids get away all the time, right? And there's a time and place for that. There is. But listen, our kids are a gift from God to enjoy. They're a gift from God to enjoy. But we don't enjoy our kids. Our second point, we expect big things from our kids. Look at verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Listen, the Lord gives us children to raise them to do good and hard things. Verse 4, you see this here. Kids are anticipated to protect the king and the family. He's like, oh, I have kids now. I've got more warriors now for my army. That's how the king sees his kids. And listen, this is not like a safe time in the world. Like there is real threat inside the kingdom and outside the kingdom to his family and his city. And he sees his kids not as a burden to hide, but as warriors to unleash. But also this phrase here in verse five, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. See, the gate is where civil cases 
were discussed and debated and settled. So he sees his kids not just as warriors to do this work, but also skilled and smart, intelligent people to defend their family and their kingdom through debate. This king expects his kids to do hard things. We as Christians should expect our kids to do hard things and not hide our kids from the darkness of the world. We'll get to this in a minute. And I think this stands in contrast to our parenting many times. There's two elements of parents who expect big things from their kids. There's two things I think that we can look at today. First, parents who expect big things, they just live differently. They just live differently. Parents who expect big things for God's kingdom, they live differently because the world is not their focus. How many things do we do because the world says do it this way? Me included. How many things? See, when the world's not your focus, the world does not dictate how you and your family live. When the world's not your focus, the world does not dictate how your family lives. The builder does. And there's two things you see here. This kind of family prioritizes slow over hurried. It's a tough phrase to say in our world today, isn't it? Even as I wrote it down, I was like, "Ah, I don't want to say that. Because it just cuts right at my heart. But hear this, Jesus was never hurried. He was never hurried. And don't, I'm just going to be real blunt. Don't we want our kids to follow Jesus and not follow the ways of this world? And I don't know how that plays out for you and your family. And I'm discerning how it plays out for me and my family. But we have to, in some ways, if we're going to expect great things from our kids, we have to prioritize low, slow over hurried. Because we're going to hurry our kids' lives so much, we're going to miss so many things. And we're going to functionally teach them to be like workaholics and always hurried and always stressed out. We have to learn to prioritize slow over hurried. And second, it goes hand in hand. They prioritize eternal over temporal. Hear this. For you, your kids, your family, this life is a breath. It's a breath. We have to learn to almost evaluate our lives. How many things in your life are you giving to temporal things? Listen, your kid might be the best ball player in the history of the world, but he's going to have to answer to Jesus one day, right? And the chances are your son or daughter is not the best player in the world. Newsflash, lovingly. And if we're giving all of our time, our attention, our affection to temporal grades, to temporal sports awards, to whatever the thing might be for you and your family, if we're giving all of our attention and our time to that, but we're ignoring the foundational, eternal building blocks of raising a Christian son and daughter, we're going to pay the price and our kids are going to pay the price. Here's what I mean. The church of Jesus Christ will last forever. Will last forever. This church right here will not, but the people of God will last forever. Your job will not last forever. It's temporal. Uh, The sports team will not last forever. Even their education will not last forever. So we have to resolve ourselves. We're going to prioritize the eternal things. 
gathering with the family of God, I will say, and I know my pastor here, is an eternal building block for a Christian and for a son and daughter of the king. Listen, you laughing with your child, with the joy of God in your, in your body is eternal. Being rushed to and fro is not. You sitting down, getting on your knees, holding your child's hand and praying with them, those are eternal seeds that you're planting. But many times we're planting temporal seeds, right? So how can we grow and learn to walk in the eternal over the temporal? So these parents live differently. Second, they pray differently. If you're expecting your kids to do big things, you're going to pray different. If your kid is going to be a missionary next year, right? Like you have a 17-year-old, he's going to go next year overseas. That year, you're going to pray a lot different, aren't you? The when, how much, the emotion in your prayer, you're just going to pray differently. Here's how you pray. You pray as if you're not the builder and the protector. You pray that way because you know that you have nothing to offer. Only he does. So you're literally begging him to move in the life of your child. These are, these are desperate emotional prayers. These are like psalmist prayers, right? Where you're weeping all night because you're so burdened for this kid that you love that you want God to move in, right? It's desperate emotional prayers. You pray things like this. You pray big things. You pray for protection in the midst of danger instead of praying for a safe life. We don't pray they have a safe, comfortable life. We pray that as they go out, we know bad things can happen. But we're going to pray the protection of God over our kids. Emotional, messy, desperate prayers. Because we're not the builder, we're not the protector. You pray that they learn that God's the provider and not the world. We live in such a world, and I fall prey to this too, where our job, our savings are our creation. And I want to pray that my kids don't see these things as the point, as the focus, but their trust is in the builder and the protector. You're praying things like that. We pray that they can do, let's, let's go to Ephesians 3.20. Go to Ephesians 3.20. I'll just read it. It's more fun anyways. This is good this morning, ain't it, guys? We're having fun up here, aren't we? Man, worship. Golly, mountains trembling. I love it. Um, 3.20, Ephesians 3.20, we pray prayers like this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all, we, all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. We ask him to do things that we can't think or imagine. So great in the life of our kids. Right, let, me, let me land this plane. Here is my hope for my kids in the day. I pray that one day I can be okay not seeing them as much as I want to. But them wanting to come home all the time. I pray they're doing things for God that's apart from me, that makes me mourn. You know, like the Apostle Paul would leave in his letters and the church would gather. They would just like cry for hours and hug and kiss. I want that thing with me and my kids where we love each other so much, but yet I just want to release them to what God has for them. But then when they do come back home at a Thanksgiving, at a this or at that, there is just this deep joy in our household. 
Like, you know that kind of laughter in your house? When you're playing a game and you're kind of yelling at each other and you can't stop laughing. But there's also like just this connection and intimacy where my grown sons are weeping with me over what God has for them, over the burdens of this world, over the people they're ministering to, that they are weeping tears for those people that I can weep with them, that the seeds of my prayers, the more than I can ask or imagine, come to fruition in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, long after we're gone, that our kids are just this fireball of the Holy Spirit spread all throughout our world, doing things that we can never think, ask, or imagine. So I've got two things for us to do. Two steps to take. First, on how to maintain your focus and secure your hope. If that's like the first building block, here's what we're asking our entire church to do. We pass these things out right here. Upside down, it's two books in one. It's real creative. And um, it really is. I love this book. I wasn't trying to be like sarcastic. Uh, This is a resource for you as a parent. But here's the first thing we're asking every single man and woman in our church to do. Start and end the day in God's word. Start the day as soon as you wake up. That alarm goes off, wiping off the eye boogers, all the kind of things. You're opening God's word to let God speak to you and encourage you. Let his voice, let the builder's voice, his good, saving, loving voice be the first voice you hear. The first thing and the last thing. Let his voice have the final word on your day. Every day, I'm going to ask you guys to commit to this for the next 100 days with us that we'll start the day and we'll end the day in God's word. That's how I hope that we can maintain our focus and resolve our hope. Second thing, enjoy and expect of your kids. Enjoy them and expect much of them through three things that this book breaks down for you day by day. And I know Robin and Reynolds will be here in a minute to talk about that a little bit. But there's three things I want you to think about. Spending intentional time with them. Intentional time. Like you're setting apart fun time, Bible time, singing time. All, you're spending intentional time with your kids. Second, milestones. Listen, hear this. School ending is a milestone. School, how are you going to say this summer is starting celebrate that milestone that God is moving things forward in your child's life. Hear this, that sun today that God rose was a milestone. It was beautiful today. How do you let your kids see these milestones in their life and their faith? Third thing, capture the God moments. When you see that sunset, stop everything. Uh, this morning I was walking to my car about six and, the just, and Adam Brazier sent me a picture of it at the same time. It was so weird. The picture of this beautiful sky and the birds were chirping. And I was like, man, God is fully in control. His creation is just humming because he is sovereign. And I just rested and I worshiped. When we see sunsets like that or sunrises, grab your kids and capture the God moment. When your kid blows it, when they hit their brother or sister, capture the God moment of their sin. Bring them to confession and repentance and then point them to Jesus because he's the healer, right? He's the safe place. Capture the God moments. So time, milestone, and moments. If we can learn to capture these three things, we will learn to enjoy our kids and train them and expect them to do good things, great things for God's kingdom. So here's the ask. 
is that you, as the body of Christ with me, for the next 100 days, commit to these two things. Start and end and just walk through these steps with your kids. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Imagine the future. Just for a second with me. Imagine this future. If we truly took the time, the unseen effort, to sow those kind of seeds in our hearts and the life of our kids. What could God do? What could your kid do? I almost wish I had like all the lists of our kids in front of me right now. I could just read their names. And we could just imagine and just ask God, what are you going to do through their life? But it starts with us as parents today to commit to the eternal over temporal. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, you are beyond good to us. Father, even as I am praying right now, I'm reminded of how much I have just failed over and over as a parent. And your voice reminds me where the ideal lacks in my life, my parenting, your grace abounds. And that nobody, no child, no teenager, no grown adult is, is too far gone. That your grace, our sin is great, but your mercy is more. So help us as parents not receive condemnation, not receive shame, but do take conviction and just run to you. Uh, Own our part, own our conviction, turn from that and just run to you. Where loving arms are waiting, are open, are celebrating sinners coming home. Father, I ask that today would be a turning point in the life of the parents of our church. I pray that we look back in three, five, 10, 15 years and we just celebrate how you just turned our hearts during this weekend. And that the trajectory of our kids' lives were forever changed through our small, unseen, faithful steps. Lord, you're good to us. We trust you as the builder. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.